Hello, powerful visionaries. This is Lorna Lee, and welcome to the Sacred Business Summit, an online symposium of sacred commerce and light leadership, where we're going to explore the keys to leading a high vibe business that unleashes your soul purpose, attracts awakened abundance, and transforms the world. I am so honored today to bring to you a dear friend of mine who I've interviewed many times. Her name is Era Campbell. Era is a creatrix, writer, and founder of The Goddess Circle. She's the author of The Astro Forecast and a facilitator of the Inner Priestess Awakening Program. And she is also a relationship empowerment and uh, sacred love journey facilitator. Era is a modern day mystic dedicated to the rising feminine and to living embodied truth, connecting others with their gifts and healing using the natural world. She can often be found seeking wisdom and solace in the wilds of Mother Earth. Era is here to share with me and with all of you how we can grow a sacred business organically using the free tools of social media and importantly, how we can navigate its constantly changing landscapes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ara. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, really glad to share with you now um, this really juicy topic of what it takes to grow a, um, a sacred business where you share esoteric wisdom. And so this is a whole different animal, so to speak, than, you know, selling something where people are just, you know, looking on Google and buying, you know, the stuff that they need from, you know, just kind of like our, you know, typical like supplements or, you know, teeth whitening strips or, you know, organic yoga pants. I mean, you know, being in the business of esoteric wisdom is to me incredibly intriguing, deeply rewarding. And I love to talk to people about what it takes to actually grow your presence online. And I found myself really inspired by your very large and very engaged Facebook community. So I would love to first uh, start with your journey and then discover, you know, what were some of the key strategies that really helped you grow online? So what is the problem, first of all, that you help your ideal clients and customers solve? Well, I, I am at my base as a writer and a guide and a teacher. And through my work, I help my clients connect with their truth, bringing transformation into their lives, uh, a deeper connection with astrology through my publications and, and charts and work on that level. And then I help them open deeper to their sacred path in both my priestess course and my relationship course so i i'm at my at my core i'm a guide like i, I and open people deeper to their truth so do you find that people that you serve are not really sure what their truth actually is i think i think I think they do know, like, I think everybody knows on some level, but I think there's so much crap we kind of build up over top of it. You know, the doubt, the worthiness issues, you know, all the stuff we've been taught to believe about our own deserving of, of our own, you know, gifts. Like it's, it's silly, you know, we're taught from such a young age, you know, to just kind of silence everything about ourselves that we just get in that habit. And a lot of what I do is 
I'm just, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just holding space and I'm just kind of helping them do their own process to discover their own, like to, to kind of not really discover, but like to, to unearth their, their truth from, from themselves. Like it's always been in them for like all along, but so that's, that's what I get to do. And it's pretty, it's pretty exciting and it's pretty rewarding, especially when you're in a course scenario when I do all my courses online and it's exciting to be able to hear how something, how something you've done like that impacts somebody or how they've helped them on their path. So that's pretty exciting to be able to bear sacred witness to that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because I feel like, you know, in, um, you know, me being also the creator of a large community around uh, shamanism and psychedelics, I find that, you know, many people um, have a sense that they were actually, they're meant to be doing something much more, you know, profound, much more sacred in the world, you know, with their precious human lives than society is actually um, led them to believe they ought to be doing. And I feel that, you know, it, it can take so many, it, it, like unearthing, you know, that what that truth is under all the layers of, you know, societal programming, familial programming, cultural programming can be really, really deep work. So, you know, in my world, um, some of the most powerful tools in order to unearth those truths and to really understand who we are, why we came here to this beautiful planet and what we're meant to be doing, some of the most powerful tools for that, uh, for revealing that truth can be the sacred plant medicines. Because, you know, being, you know, powerful psychedelic medicines um, that have uh, purgative qualities that, you know, many of them do from, you know, ayahuasca to, you know, peyote to iboga, they often tend to elicit purging out of both ends. And one of the things that happens is, you know, after you clear out all those toxins and all those, you know, really, um, those limiting stories and false beliefs, um, one can have the direct experience of what truth actually is. And it's almost like the experience of the wool being ripped from, you know, from your eyes. And you're like, oh my God, like that is not who I am or I can't believe like I believed that story for so long. So when you work with your audience, how, what kind of tools do you find to be the most successful in helping people connect with their authentic truth? Through most of what I do, there's a lot of, um, we go through a lot of processes involved working with shadows and, and doing shadow work and like wounds and stuff like that. And then looking at just all the different beliefs that we have and the stories we tell ourselves. And we work a lot on um, reprogramming those and getting that in kind of a bit of a different perspective in order to heal. Because like I said, it's all the stuff we have that kind of gets like layered over top of, you know, who we authentically are. It's, it's not, that's not the truth. The truth is still exists underneath that. It's just these stories we keep telling ourselves. So I work a lot with getting rid of that and it being able to transform that, move through that and heal that and release that. So that's one of the key aspects. So what would be some of the exercises or practices that would help somebody see that they have a shadow? Because the the tricky thing about shadows is that we don't necessarily see our shadow. It's behind Mm. us. It's underneath. And yet it's it's following us everywhere and, you know, quite possibly limiting us from from really uh, fulfilling or expressing our true potential. Well, I, I don't think of shadows as a bad thing either because, I mean, like, you know, shadows are, like you just said, they're always with us. And it's something where we 
when we merge with our shadows and kind of you know embrace all that we are because i mean a shadow i mean it, like, wounds are are from experiences and i mean our experiences are part of us they shape our world so i mean this is still part of us so it's a matter of like merging together it's kind of like the story of anana when anana goes down into the into the underworld to visit her shadow sister Rishkagel. you know she merges into the shadow in light and she kind of deals with these wounds and these you know it's, there's death and there's rebirth and that's kind of what we do we do a lot of different stuff we actually speaking of anana we actually do a lot of practices involving anana and like stripping away what we're taught we believe you know about ourselves you know stripping away the ego and getting down to like you know the shadows and and what we're taught we shouldn't we shouldn't, you know, all the shouldn'ts, like, you know, you're taught you shouldn't be a certain way and then or you shouldn't express yourself in a certain way. And these things all become shadows and they can all become wounds that, you know, block us from expressing the truth of who and what we actually are. So we do a lot of work involving that and rewriting the story of like who we who we are and what we want ourselves to be or not what we want, but what we authentically are. So are many of the people that come to you women who wish to be a priestess? in some way, shape, or form in their lives. Yeah, there are a lot of women, like in the Inner Priestess Awakening online course, it's actually, we're running it right now. Um, it's there's a, There are a lot of women who are interested in developing that and, t- and tapping back into that uh, aspect of our of our truth because, you know, we have a long line as, as women um, of being connected to the priestess energy and a lot of a lot of the things we do is connecting back with that ancient and powerful thread. And, sort of bringing it into a modern sort of way of expressing it because, you know, maybe not everybody wants to express it in the, in the traditional, you know, ancient way, but maybe in a different way. So. Mm, Wow. And are these women um, also seeking to be able to operate their own ceremonial circles where they are, or are they looking more for a personal practice? Most of what we do is a personal practice. And what have you found to be the most effective ways of connecting with women that are seeking to have the experiences that you offer? Like on Facebook, you mean, or like what? What is my method to like connect yeah, with them? Yeah, yeah. Like how do you, how do you reach women that you know? So I, I think one of the things that my audience of um, spiritual entrepreneurs and business owners um, have is the how to traverse the gap of knowing what their gifts are and then being able to reach the people that would be most uh that would benefit most profoundly from their gifts so you know effectively it's it's a marketing challenge and so i'd love to hear you know what has worked for you in terms of being able to reach the very large audience that you reach um well you can like to be able to try to get the specifics of what you think your course offers or what you think your offering offers, um, you can set certain subsets, like, you know, when you're, when you're trying to bring your, your marketing or whatever to certain types of people, you can actually set it to on Facebook, like what, like who you would like to reach, like what kind of interests they're interested in. And you can kind of reach people like that. Are you running Facebook ads or is it mostly organic Facebook marketing that you are employing to grow your business? Uh, about 99% of it is organic. I only ever do ads very rarely. I do it occasionally for like the courses and stuff like that um, to just reach a, a little bit of a wider audience since the Facebook has now, um, it is running a lot less as far as, as reach is concerned. Um, so I do do it for things like that. But most of my, my day-to-day posts and, 
everything else is like 99% just organic reach. That is amazing. I, I feel that many people that I know who have really massive Facebook audiences are, uh, have all commented that reach is really, has really dropped. Um, how many people are you at right now? I almost want to say it was, I've, it's several hundred thousand fans that you have. Is that correct? <laughs> I think it's 190,000. I'm not actually sure. I think something like that. Okay, wow. Um, so what did it take to actually grow that audience and how long did it take you? Well, I started the page, like the Facebook page, in January of 2014. Um, and I really didn't do much with it for the first six or seven months. So this has really been since about like September of 2014. Um and there was a there was a while there it was expanding very very rapidly like super super rapidly it's still growing fairly fairly rapidly but it's just like I said the reach isn't what it used to be because of the Facebook changes that they're implementing so so what were some of the things that created uh, the rapid growth is it the sharing of images that have viral appeal you know do you find that there's more reach when it comes to images versus links that you're sharing you know is it a lot of um you know conversation that's causing you know the visibility to increase um curious to know like what it takes to actually have your content seen and to be able to be shared and uh, reach a much wider audience organically i think well, the the links and stuff like that, like blog posts and stuff, are definitely down from what they used to be. They used to get a lot more of a of a bump up, like that. Um, I I do notice like the I don't I'm gonna say this wrong because I never say it right. The mem mem memes memes. I don't know how people say that. Yeah, memes. Um, the um, like the ones if you have a little bit of information on them, uh, people are more likely to because of course they're they're scrolling through their phone or or. or you know, on their computer and they've got, you've got a couple seconds to get their interest. So if you have a picture with some words and stuff on them, just a little bit of a basis of what your, what your, your post is about, then I find a lot, a lot of people engage with that because of course, you know, people are busy and people are doing stuff. So, you know, you've got a limited amount of time to catch them. So I find that's generally the one that you usually seems to get the most interaction. And then of course, like you have to interact back with people. Cause I mean, if you're, if you're not going to comment on, if they're, if they're asking you something and you're not answering back, then you know, why would they ever ask it again? Or it just, it's just good to comment back on stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I found that when I was really focused on growing my Facebook page, the visionary art that we shared was definitely um, top of the list in terms of what got the most visibility and the most shares. And then I also noticed too, that adding text to images um, decreased the, the reach. And I think it oh, wow. even had to do with, um, um, you know, Facebook has that weird, you know, has that tool where essentially, I mean, this is more for Facebook. This is definitely for Facebook ads, but then there's been a lot of debate as to whether this was also in place for organic shares. But if you have too much text on your image, then, um, Facebook will, you know, through its algorithm limit the, um, the visibility because especially if the text is more than like 20% of the image, um, right. that for a fact is, you know, that is definitely in place for the, the paid ads. And then there's been a lot of debate as to like how much that's in effect with, um, with memes. Have you noticed any, um, any limitations on your end or has it not been discernible for you? Oh, it's definitely down from what it was. Like, I mean, but when I look at like a, a meme share now versus before or like a blog post or just a regular picture with some tat, like some uh, like with a, a post or whatever, it's all very, very much down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Were you also partnering with other large Facebook pages? No, not so much. I the, like I partner with um, like if I'm working on a summit like with you and stuff like that, I'll partner like that. But I, I didn't ever get involved in that. There was some people had kind of asked about, you know, partnering and I just it wasn't something that I really wanted to do. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting that whole world, because I definitely know many of um, the large pages that are part of these networks. And that was working really well for a long time. So I had a number of partnerships with uh, other Facebook, um, large Facebook pages and the admins for those pages. And one of the reasons why my Facebook page grew a lot was because I actually hired two of the admins to, you know, to basically share content, curate content that was uh, appealing to my audience. And then um, through their network, um, a lot of the content got shared. So even before, I, so, you know, with Entheo Nation, I had launched a podcast, but before we launched the podcast, before the website was even published, I had my, um, my partners build up my Facebook page so that when we actually went live with the, with the podcast, we had, um, we had an audience to be basically launch the podcast to. So that was a really, you know, powerful strategy for me to be able to um, to build my audience of podcast listeners first. And, um, you know, because one of the, the challenging things about, about creating a website um, and a podcast or a channel is that, you know, if you don't have an audience, then who's going to consume the content? So that's like the incredible power of, um, of having a large, you know, social audience. But I also found too, after, learning how to run Facebook ads, it was interesting because the, the, the fans of my page were not necessarily the people that would buy my, um, my products or opt in for my, um, for my, you know, free gifts. Were you, do you find that the audience of people that you've grown is targeted enough where, you know, they're genuinely interested in what you're offering, um, as a uh, premium offers? I think there is a certain percentage of them that that are engaging in that. Um, I also find a lot of interaction through things like um, Instagram, and a lot of people actually find me just on my website and and through um, just through Google and stuff like that, which is kind of amazing too when you think about it. Um, so I kind of get I kind of get it all over. I it, I don't think it's uh, I think it used to be a lot again with the Facebook reach. It used to be a lot easier to reach the people in your giant group that wanted to be a part of something like I think a lot of people just don't see stuff now and it's just unfortunate because you know they join the group or they join Facebook pages because they want to be a part of things they want to connect with what you're offering and then they never see you again because Facebook reach basically yeah I know it's crazy I'm like I've liked so many pages I'm a part of many different Facebook groups and I hardly ever see content from some yeah. of these groups and yeah they've switched yeah, and, and the thing is, like, you know, the groups use actually have more visibility than the pages. Mm -hmm. Do you have a group as well as your page? I do have a couple different groups. We have groups for the uh, for the programs that we run, and then, like, those are private groups. And then we have, uh, they have a sisterhood circle. But again, the interaction winds up being very low on that one now because it's not as visible as it used to be. So that's unfortunate again. So but I, yeah, no, even in the group, it's it's gone down a lot for interaction and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, it's such a shame, you know, because there's a lot of really epic groups 
and there's a lot of uh, groups that I would love to hear from more often, but I suppose, um, you know, one of the aspects of uh, Facebook trying to basically get control of the misinformation campaigns, you know, this has been the direct result of their initiatives to, to you know, lower the impact of fake news and deliberate disinformation. Well, and I mean, let's face it, they want you to pay for ads. I mean, they don't want they don't want you to they. And I mean, I said years ago, I said, I don't know why they don't make it a paid format for businesses. I mean, not for the user. I mean, the users, I mean, obviously, you want to be on there for free. But I mean, I don't know why they don't make it a paid, you know, if you're a business and you're a page and you want to be a business. I mean, that would get rid of a lot of the the fake stuff, because I mean, you're not going to pay for it. If you're, you know, if you're just doing fake stuff on there, or whatever, you know, it would be for serious people. And then but, I mean, it, for pages, it's sort of silly because, I mean, people are, are actively liking your page. So it's like taking somebody and, and you got somebody who's on a, on a free site like, or a free social network like Facebook and they're like, okay, good, I'm signing up for this because I want to get content. So then they sign up for these pages and then they don't get any content. So how long are they really going to be on your social network? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't make any sense. We, you know, it, it's, but I think it's going to shift because I think, I don't think this is a sustainable model what they're going for because you can't have a you can't have a a social media platform where you have your users not getting any content so how do you as a sacred business owner and publisher of esoteric content how do you navigate these changes how do you prevent you know a, like a big algorithm change um in a platform that you've spent a lot of time energy and you know resources to build up how do you prevent a change to that resource and that presence from really negatively impacting your business in a big way? Well, you do have to stay consistent. Like that's one thing I found um, is you have to stay consistent with your, with your material and like keep, keep posting, post in different, uh, like use different methods too. I mean, you know, repurpose your content into, you know, if you've got blog content, repurpose it into a podcast that might reach more people. And it also gets you on a different, um, like different channels. I mean, you, then if you're on SoundCloud or if you're on iTunes, then you're getting into those markets too. So people can find you in a different channel. Um, it's just been a matter of, of making sure I keep at it, you know, keep up, keep and, and mixing things up and seeing kind of what works. I, I swear it just changes kind of uh, back and forth every once in a while. There's something or whatever, you know, this week, you know, blogs will be doing better and next week it'll be, you know, just posts. So it's about mixing things up and really not giving up. So do you find that as a publisher, you now have to be found everywhere? Yeah, I think it it, it, it does mean a lot of, I mean, like, and I've, I got onto the Instagram scene really late because I just, I don't know, I put all my eggs in the Facebook basket for a few years just to concentrate on it because I'm very wordy. So it was just, it was the, the best method for me to do, you know, I wasn't really doing Twitter and I can't, I couldn't condense it down quite that far. So I, but I find, I find Instagram has a really good reach too. It seems like a really good, a good place to be. So it's about kind of spreading it around and, and anybody just starting out, you know, spread around your, your, um, get into a, a bunch of different methods and then you can kind of, you know, saturate things like that. How are you liking Instagram? I haven't even gone on Instagram yet because I feel like it's already enough to try to stay on top of like the different platforms. So I'm on YouTube, I'm on iTunes, um, Facebook, I, you know, the whole process of like running Facebook ads and, um, and creating, you know, soulful sales funnels and, um, and content for, you know, for 
direct, uh, you know, marketing campaigns um, has already consumed a lot of my, you know, time and energy and mental bandwidth uh, for e for me to even consider getting on yet another platform. So I'm super curious to know um, what your thoughts are on Instagram. I really like it. I really do. I actually wish I would have gone on it earlier just because I find it so enjoyable. Um, it, I personally find it seems to have a lot more reach. Like it, it reaches the people that are actually subscribing your, to your content, which I think is really good. Um, I never got onto Twitter. Well, I, I am on Twitter, but very, very recently. And I just, like I said, I find it really hard to condense down what I'm saying because I'm very word <laughs> heavy. So, um, but yeah, and it's, it's, I really do like Instagram though. So if you were going to give advice to somebody um, who wants to build up their Instagram profile and presence, what would your advice be so that they could bypass all the, you know, learning mistakes that you may have made and just, you know, reach as many people in as short a period of time as possible? Um, stay consistent, like put a lot of posts out there. Like the, I think almost Facebook kind of like, well, I've read that Facebook kind of penalizes you if you like put 20 posts out in a day there your reach goes way down Instagram doesn't really seem to be like that unless I'm missing something but again I it seems like if you put out 10 posts in a day you know you just get tremendous reach so stay consistent put a lot of content out put varied content out just to see what what people are interacting you know maybe you're maybe you can kind of tone up your methods like that um repurpose your content you know if you've got something or whatever in a blog you know something like that can be repurposed onto instagram very easily um use the stories that's another thing they've got they've got this story button where you can you can do these little live kind of clips but it, it, it actually is pretty cool because it reaches people in a different way yet again so it's these little tricks are really kind of fun to be able to use because it's just increases your reach so me not knowing anything about instagram it seems like it's mostly image focused what kind of things can you share on Instagram? Can you share like links to articles as well as video or audio? Um, the thing, the one tiny little pain in the butt about, um, about Instagram is you can't link directly in the post. They have to go to your bio on the top and just click, click your website or whatever, which, which is very clever. Cause I mean, if they had it, if they had it where you could just click it, I mean, it would be the best platform ever in the history of ever basically. But, um, now they have they do have these um like i said these stories where you can create these things and link it so I, like if i put a like i have a lot of um success with my etsy store because i have a rock like I, I sell crystals and i sell um sacred items on there and what i've been doing is i do a i'll do a, share, a story an instagram story or whatever of my of one of my crystals or one one of those things and you can actually link it in those in the stories you can so they've been rolling out their changes like i've just been playing with the stories over the last couple of weeks um so it's it's kind of neat that you can do that so okay so help me understand if i help me you know if i if i'm understanding this correctly so let's say um so instagram it is mostly content that you share through your mobile app is that correct um, yes, it is. Okay. There is an app for, there is an app on the computer, but I don't believe you can actually post on it. You have to use your phone or your mobile device. Okay. So you're sharing content through your mobile device and it seems like a lot of the content is image heavy. So you share, let's say you share an image and you, you know, create all these hashtags to read the audience of people that you think would be interested in the image and like you write an update, you know, but essentially you cannot drop a hyperlink in the update. It like people click on the image and they see your, you know, update. And then in order for them to like 
get to your website, they have to go through your bio. Is that how that works? The bio is just right on top. So it just kind of highlights it right on top. But yeah, usually what you put is you just put like, um, you know, click my link in my bio for more or direct message me like on a lot of the different things that I've been like I said, I had a lot of success um, with my Etsy store and stuff like that with my my crystal post because I'd post a meme about you know what the what the crystal is and what what it does and the energy of that crystal and then I'd put you know direct message me or you know visit my bio or whatever click my my Etsy shop and I had a ton of sales like just just doing things like that um I hadn't even really thought about it until I, it was a month or six weeks ago a month ago or something like that I, I decided to try doing a few things like that and it really it was really great and the good part about that is I mean there was some there's some some bigger pages that it or accounts, I guess, like bigger accounts that had uh, seen that and they wanted they want content, so they take my meme and then they're sharing it too. So then all of a sudden I'm getting exposure to a bunch of people that I didn't have before. So it is image heavy. Um, there's a lot of stuff you can do with it. It's fun, like it is. It is fun, um, but yeah, it's just another option. I mean, you know, it's just another little thing you can do. And I mean, if it's if you've got a blog, like I said, you know, you could take a quote from that, make a meme, share it out there. Um, you know. It's, it, there's all kinds of things you can do with it. Okay, so in your bio, are you allowed to have only one link? I believe so. The, things are changing now with, like I said, the stories, because you can have your stories, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm just starting to play with the stories and stuff like that. You can have the stories. The stories kind of have almost little like folders at the top of your of your profile, so they can click on it. It's like if I have a, a story that I, I did and I, I shared it, you know, and it's a, a crystal, you know, it's a, it's a you know, this is the, a crystal and this is what it's about, you know, I can put it in the crystal folder so it's easier for them to find. Like it, and I'm I'm just starting to scratch the surface on on some of these different tricks and stuff like that too. So it's kind of fun to discover. Yeah, that's really intriguing. So I'm I'm trying to like wrap my mind around all of this. So it sounds like then, um, it makes the most sense if you have one link in your Instagram profile. It needs to be like the link to your e-commerce store, for example, or the one that like link where you know people will you know be able to either buy the most stuff or, I mean, if you want to monetize your Instagram, like you want to send them to a link where people can like buy your stuff essentially. Um, but right. with the stories, then you could probably link to different products directly through the right. story. Right? right. Huh. Okay. Okay. That's really intriguing. Huh. And I know some people who actually like change it up. Like, I mean, if they do a post today about a book they're writing, so then they'll put the link in the top of the page to the book. And then two days from now, if they're doing a post on, you know, something, uh, something else they're doing, they'll put the link in the post. And I mean, you can do that, but of course it, it, it makes it harder for people if they share, if they see it a few days down the line. And that's the other thing I find Facebook seems to have very limiting reach where it seems like after a day or two, it's harder for people to engage with old posts. Whereas on Instagram, it seems like you'll still get a lot of views even a couple days later, or three days, four days later. So that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Huh. That's interesting. I'm trying to figure out like, for example, since I don't have an online store and most of what I sell is, you know, shamanic and psychedelic information. And usually the way that I sell that is through like funnels or, you know, online marketing launches. But it sounds like, for example, and, and you know, I, I know that you're you know learning this, but based on your much more greater familiarity with how stories work than mine, let's say if I were to have um, something like the Modern Shaman Mystery School, which you had participated in, and there were like 48 interviews, could I create a story with like a little snippet of information about each person that had, you know, been on an interview um, with me. And then within that story and within that folder, you know, the link that goes back 
the, the one link that I am able to share is to sign up to access all the talks for free for 24 hours. I believe you can, yeah. Okay, well, th this is like really mind expanding. So I, I hope for those of you guys who are listening to this conversation, as Ara and I are like discussing and brainstorming, <laughs> like how we can use you know social media to grow our sacred businesses, you are you guys are also getting some ideas, right? Because there's no one way to grow your business, and um, there are you know depending on what your um, what your personality type is. I mean, some people just, you know, are much better writers and, you know, writing blog posts that are, you know, optimized for whatever keywords that their ideal customers or clients are searching for. And Google might be the best way to be able to get in front of more of their, you know, tribe, you know, whereas somebody that's more of a, you know, more comfortable doing video and, you know, being in front of the camera, YouTube might be a great solution. And somebody who's really geeky and analytical might want to do Facebook ads and, you know, send people into um, different kinds of uh, educational sales funnels. So, you know, there there is no one size fits all. Um, but one of the things that I would say is being everywhere can be really crazy making because that's a lot of content you're having to create. There's a lot of content that you're having to post to all these different channels. Do you have any advice, you know, based on your experience and what you know of how, you know, somebody who wishes to grow such a wide reaching online presence as you have, how they can do it in a way that's fairly systemic and doesn't make them crazy? <laughs> it, it, it can be a lot. There's no doubt about it. It can be a lot. And I mean, a lot of people do hire um, people to do it for them. They hire, There's lots of people out there that can you know, partner and, and help and stuff like that, or I have assistants that can help them. But if you're doing it yourself, just um, take a few, What one of the easier ways of doing it is to take a day during the week, like whether it's a Monday and you want to look and, and get yourself scheduled for the week. Um, and just look at what you want to share, what your what your offerings are, like what are, what are the key things you're bringing right now? You know, is it a launch? Is it is it a product you're trying to do? What What is it you're trying to do right now? And figure out how many times you want to be doing that. You know, on Facebook, what the nice part about that is you can schedule things. So you can kind of schedule things up and then you can kind of not worry about it every day. Because I, I, like I do that. I, I sit down usually about once a week and I get my schedule together about what I'm launching. You know, what am I involved in? You know, am I involved in a summit? Am I involved in, you know, a launch that I'm personally promoting? Um, and that's kind of nice to be able to do instead of having to worry about it, It's like every day getting on there and, and having to deal with that. Um, Instagram, you don't, I don't believe you can schedule. So, I mean, that kind of stuff, I always, you know, you kind of have to jump back on and, and, and deal with that too. But try to stick with something you can kind of accomplish. Like don't, to try to do like 10 posts a day or something that probably is not going to just, if that's going to drive you crazy, but, you know, start with a few posts a day, you know, start with doing a day during the week where you sit down and do you know, flesh out what you want to do for the week for Facebook posts, schedule it up. And then it gives you some freedom and you can kind of go back and you can kind of, you know, check things out when, as they're posting and you can engage with people, but you don't have to be worried about, you know, coming up with content right now, right now, right now, 10 times a day or anything like that. So when you are getting ready to launch a program and to be able to fill that program by a certain time frame or deadline, what does that look like to you? How do you how do you get ready for that? How soon in advance do you start preparing and, and, and what kind of content do you need to prepare in order to be able to launch 
get in front of as many people or many of the right people as possible and then enroll you know enough students to be able to fill and then close your program for the last core for the courses that i was i've been running i think we launched four five months in advance four months in advance i think we opened the doors um for registration and I usually have a lot of like, I have a bunch of like memes and um, like promotional content ready to go um, beforehand. Although, I mean, I am readily admit that I am a spur of the moment person where it's like, I'll think of something and then I'll, you know, then I'll start advertising with that as well. If I think of a new, you know, a new uh, approach to how to reach more people or, or how to change things up a little bit. So I'll, you know, change it up on the fly and kind of do that too. But yeah, it's usually quite a few months in advance. That way, you know, you can get, especially nowadays, I mean, you know, before you'd get so much more concentrated reach. Now you have to allow that, you know, there's going to be less people that are seeing each post. So you've got to put it out like more. So you've got to take a longer bit of time sometimes to be able to really get, you know, if you can help it. I mean, sometimes, we, you know, you can't help it and you launch quick and, you know, maybe you have to push it a little farther, like or a little bit shorter concentrated time frame, but. So are your doors open actually for four months or are you doing like pre-launch content for months with, you know, with the cart open and cart close for a two week time frame, which is how I normally see most online courses being launched? Usually I'm, I'm trying to think of exact dates here. Uh, the, okay. So the, the interfreeze discourse we're doing right now and it's November 1st, the date starts. And we, of course we close the, close the door a day or two in advance just to get everybody in the door. But I believe we started advertising or opening it. Like we open the doors and advertise at the same time. And I believe we started that. I want to say in end of July or August this year. So August. So it's usually like four months, four and a half months in advance and the doors are open the entire time to sign up. Wow. That's really different from what I, what I, typically see with online course launches. So if you do open your doors that early in advance, then what do you do to keep people engaged um, until the program actually starts in November? Like do you just, do you enroll them and then they're in limbo or do you enroll them and like serve them, um, you know, course related content until everyone starts to get it? How does that look? So far, we haven't actually done that. That's an interesting concept. But yeah, we have we haven't had anything. We've just it's been a sign up, and people have um we I've, we've communicated like a lot of a lot of people we've communicated, and they've been um we've been involved in like a lot of like private chats, and we've got other groups and stuff like that. So I mean, we kind of engage in that way. But <clears throat> but yeah, usually it's a sign up, and and then we we have a lot of late sign ups too. I shouldn't I say a lot, but I'm I'm very flexible, and on, on, I work with people who you know they can't get in at a certain time. So they, you know, come in late and that's fine too. I'm like I said, I'm very, very flexible on stuff. So, so they sign up in July full, fully well knowing that nothing is going to start until November. Yep. Wow. That's so intriguing. Yeah. So it's, it's so different from the, the classic like two week online course launch where it's like, you know, you, you announce your course and there's like a big spike in like interest. And then like, you know, day two, day three, day four, it just like totally dips. And then you say, Hey, it's your last chance. And then like the last chance, like fear of missing out people, like that spike of, a of, um, signups is like much higher than when you first announced. Right. And then you, you shut your, your cart. Uh, then this cart closed and then there's like wait list until the next year. So, so, so that's really fascinating that you've been doing it a totally different way. 
so far it's been working. I'm not saying it, I'm not saying I you know won't have to switch up or you know changes are always good. So it's good to look at these things every once in a while and and re-edit them and stuff like that and be like okay maybe we'll try this a different method. But yeah, so far that's what we've been doing, just giving people as much time as they possibly need because you know I know it sometimes it takes a commitment to be able to be like you know do I have the time to do a four week course because it's a four week like you know it's a four week commitment so I mean maybe people don't you know they need a little bit of time to decide if that's what they want to do or gives them a time to to connect with what I'm actually doing you know because a lot of people get on on Facebook or they get on Instagram and they're like okay who are you what are you doing and it's like it gives them some time to look and say okay this person really resonates me with me you know I let, her message is something I really want to connect with uh-huh yeah absolutely well, we are at the end of our time together. So given all your experience navigating the changing landscape of social media, um, if there is you know, one piece of advice that you would um, recommend to people that want to grow their sacred business using social media, what would that advice be? Don't give up. It's, it can be frustrating. It can be very frustrating at times, but don't give up keep at it and just keep your eyes open for any, I know that's more than one thing, but keep your eyes open for, for anything new that's coming. Cause you know, there's, there's always new things that are going to be coming for social media. And I mean, we don't know what the next big thing is going to be. So don't give up, keep your eyes open and just keep dedicated and keep rooted in what you're authentically wanting to be doing, you know, because we all start these things to serve and to help. And we, we start these, you know, to bring our truth into the world. So keep, keep doing that. If you're connected to your authenticity and you're connected to your truth, you know, keep at it and it's going to work out. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experience. Is there anything that you'd like to share with the audience? I know you have a free gift. So can you tell us what that is? Uh, my free gift is the abundance affirmation ebook, which is a tool that can be used to help manifest positive growth and abundance in our lives. I love it. Thank you so much. And how can our audience best stay in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on my website, which is www.thegoddesscircle.net. You can email me at info at thegoddesscircle.net. You can find me on Facebook at The Goddess Circle. And yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I'm The Goddess Circle Era. Yeah, Love I'm all it. around. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story and some um, actionable strategies that we can take. I want to wish you a beautiful rest of your day in Canada and uh, look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.